1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast that out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part, very very proudly part, I might add on this episode to be part of the Chairshot Radio Network and uh, if this episode kind of goes a little bit uh less sweary than normal it's because i'm speaking to the head honcho today i've got i've got the bossing so i've got to be on my best behavior um today's our uh, guest is the one and only greg demarco chief of the chair Shop radio network greg how are you today sir i'm fantastic you don't have to
0: <laughs> do anything different for me though trust me this is we're, we're built on podcasting which means people can do whatever they want with no rules
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just great to finally get you on. I know our time zones are, are pretty far apart. It's been a, a struggle to kind of pin this down, but yeah, it's a, it's going to be a, a fun show. Hopefully, we are, when we was given this topic, it was kind of one of the topics that stood out to me as something that you'd probably be interested in. Being a a, a regular listener to uh, the the Greg DeMarco show, it's, it seemed like it was kind of up your alley.
0: Basically, it's – yeah, you're saying that we just like stupid stuff, but that's <laughs> – and honestly, that's true. That's entirely true. We do some really crazy things on my show. So, yeah, it's um, – when you gave me that topic, I was actually excited about it. I did have to do some research, and yeah, I mean it wouldn't surprise me if our master lists are pretty similar, but it'll still be good. Absolutely.
1: It's your boy, Rance, aka Ray Cash of The Outsider's Edge. I'm here with my boy, Kyle. And I got a question for you, man. All right, shoot. What would you say are your four worst, your Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests?
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. The Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests. It's
1: pretty easy. It should just be two people.
0: I mean, no, 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 no. The three worst guests in the history of the Outsiders Edge are obviously Caleb, Carl. <laughs> Caleb, Carl, and
1: Mags, right? Well, I mean, Darren's trash. You know, Darren, and we can't even shout out Paul Talley because he's never been on the damn show. I mean, but that's good for us. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, I guess we can shout out the fact that Badlands Podcast, part of the Cherish Radio Network. Check it out. We love the show. Uh, always listen, man. Cherish family.
0: We're here for you. 100%. If y'all haven't checked it out, you gotta do it. And, I mean, if Darren were here, we know one thing he would say to my Mount Rushmore, and that is he has a He would veto that shit. That veto for that shit. But he's not here, so
1: I said what I said. You wanna come on the show and defend yourself. You know where to find your boys. If you don't like that, we don't give up. Oh, Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the chair shot. But before we get there, uh, seeing as this is your first time on the Badlands podcast, we need to uh, to add your names to the Mount Rushmore of greatest wrestlers of all time, to our collated Mount Rushmore. So uh, who are the guys that, and gals that you pick, and a little bit of an explanation of why each one kind of made your list.
0: So I, I've got... This is going to be a little different and a little weird, but... Um... Before I do, do you guys have, because again, I'm in America, um, do you guys watch or have Wheel of Fortune over there? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So in Wheel of Fortune, they always get to the final round. And for years, the contestant would give some letters. They turn those letters around. And it got to the point where every contestant always gave R-S-T-L-N-E as their letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Wheel of Fortune just started giving you R-S-T-L-N-E as the letters. And then you picked additional letters. And the reason why I give this example is because if I were to come on here and give you my Mount Rushmore, it's Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Steve Austin, and The Rock.
1: <laughs> which, which are four of the which top is, five, I think. Which is
0: R-S-T-L-N-E. <laughs> Plan E for wrestling at this point, right? So I'm not going to give you Hogan, Flair, Austin, and Rock because I think that's boring, and and I think it's just at this point it's almost irresponsible to not have that be in Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling, just from the business standpoint. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing is then taking another direction with my own favorites and, and where we're going there because I think it's a lot more fun and exciting. So. Skipping Hogan, Flair, Austin, and Rock, the first one on my Mount Rushmore for Wrestling that I'm going to give you guys for your stats is the man who, in the ring, an amazing career, long career, and outside of the ring is impacting the business in so many ways that I think we're going to see for the next 20 to 30 years, and that is none other than Hunter Hearst Helmsley, better known as Triple H. Triple H has really revolutionized the business. He puts out currently my favorite wrestling show, which is NXT. And has just impacted the business in so many ways to the point where I think we look back on his in-ring career differently than maybe we did at the time. I know during his in-ring career, a lot of people thought he was burying everybody and always putting himself over and everything else. But then when you kind of go back and look, that wasn't always the case. Um, he was also sort of used by WWE in different ways based on need, uh, which I think is important as well. But for me, uh, the first one on my list, and I can't remember where he fell on your guys overall, but was none other than Triple H.
1: Yeah, he's not had a great deal of picks, to be fair. Um, and it, it kind of like goes into a, um, a theory that me and Paul have come up with that it. You only really start making it high up on the list when you've actually given up being an in-ring competitor and Triple H is still kind of floating in that is he, isn't he kind of a wrestler guy? So that's why we assume that that guys like him don't get as many picks as, as they should.
0: Yeah, I think you know he's probably number five, number six, number seven on a lot of people's lists too, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a big
1: which he part. was in. It, it was in in his career as well, if you think about it. I mean, he was yep. never. I've said uh, uh, quite a lot that Triple H was never the guy. He was never the one guy he was always a, a guy in a group of four or five right. the big big guys at that time, and yeah, it, it kind of does fit in with that. He's also the guy who made
0: so many guys. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that yeah. people tend to leave out. Like if you look at a lot of top ten lists, he falls on that six to ten range for almost mm-hmm. every top ten list that you would mm-hmm. see. So um, my number two is over from from the world of Japan growing up as a kid, probably the first Japanese wrestler that I really ever got into and and still into to this day. and that's the great muda. Uh, the Great Muda, to me, is one of my all-time favorites. One of the five best matches I've ever seen is the Great Muda versus Jushin Liger. And, uh, and, and that's the Kishin Liger match where where Muda busted that gimmick out the first time ever. Uh, and, and just he captured my imagination as a kid watching when he came over to the NWA. And his battles with Sting. And, and you know, they didn't do the big Ric Flair program like they were going to do. Instead, they did this, the Iron Man gimmick at that Starcade. But Muda, to me, kind of opened me up to a world of Japanese wrestling that I don't know when I would have caught on to. I obviously would have, especially in this day and age with the Internet. But back then, it was all wrestling magazines and guys coming over. And Muda was the one who did it for me, from the paint to the mist to the in-ring style. Whether or not it was revolutionary, who knows? Uh, but to me, it was because I never saw it before, and mm-hmm. and here it was right front and center, and I just loved it. I mean, had they pushed him to the moon, I would have. You know, I don't know that he really wanted that. And and they said sometimes when he came over, he kind of was taking taking off, taking it off a little bit, taking it easy in the states, mm-hmm. which a lot of Japanese wrestlers will do sometimes. But it's still amazing for us because we just haven't seen it. So, yeah. my second one is definitely uh, the Great Moodle.
1: Yeah, and another one that hasn't had a lot of mentions on on the collated Mount Rushmore, uh, but I think that's for different reasons. I think that that's more because of the age range of the, of the guests that we have on. They kind of don't they don't know that era of wrestling, so they only see the kind of the great meter from the last couple of years where he's only wrestled the very very few matches. So um, yeah, another uh, outstanding pick. Who who takes spot number three?
0: spot number three i know has appeared on some of your lists and i think was up there for a while before dropping off and that is my opinion the most iconic character ever created in the world of professional wrestling and that's the undertaker the undertaker for me uh again grew up on you know i I saw me and mark callis in in nwa and wcw i'm 43 for anybody listening (laughs) isn't sure and the undertaker became synonymous with wrestlemania he's still this iconic figure um whether or not he should still be going right now, neither here nor there. I think him and AJ Styles would do just fine at WrestleMania. But to me, he defined the industry so much and, and kind of like Triple H wasn't ever really had to be the guy, except in the case of an emergency, but made so many careers and, and built so much. And just behind the scenes meant everything to that company. And, and you know, it's it's kind of funny to hear Bischoff talk about him. Um Cause I don't think he would have known how to use the undertaker and he's admitted that. And that's why they never fully went after him. But to me, when you think about wrestling, when you think about WrestleMania, when you just think about the the history in general, you can't do that without the undertaker.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and I don't, I'm not the statistician of the show. That's, that's Paul's forte, but I'm sure the undertaker has been making uh, leaps and bounds to to climb back on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, absolutely the best gimmick that there has ever been in wrestling. Um, yeah. Outstanding pick who, who takes that last coveted spot. So that last spot is
0: tough because I had three that I'm picking between and it's, it's, it's going between like impact on the business, to to kind of what's undeniable and uh, to to personal favorite impact on the business i'm looking at like a sean michaels that undeniability that we try to deny sometimes i look at brock Lesnar, but when i go personal favorite and this is where i'm going the fourth head on my mount rushmore is none other than the rated r superstar edge I love Edge. um if you go back and listen to um the first edition of when we renamed it Chair Shot Radio, we talked about Edge and his return to um to WWE and it really brought back like all of these feelings that you have about a wrestler like edge. Edge to me, I could never sit there and give you an amazing edge match. Like I can't sit and list off all these great matches that Edge has been in. But I also can't think of a stinker that Edge has been in. And he's just been consistently – he built an 11-world title reign career. He really connected with an audience in a way that a lot of people haven't. And, and when you see the emotion in his face when he makes that return at the Royal Rumble, even though he appeared at SummerSlam the year before, um, you can see that it's a genuine connection from both ways. You know, Some wrestlers do it. They, they, they go through the motions. a little fake. But Edge is real. And I think that's what sucked people into him in the beginning. And that's why I gave him the edge over the other two and that highly coveted fourth spot on my Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah, another great picker. Someone, again, who hasn't had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, love on our one, uh, to Mount Rushmore. But I was always an edge guy. Uh, I always felt that he was kind of like trapped under a glass ceiling. But when he finally broke through and, and became a world champion, he it. He then became a record-holding uh, title winner. I think he's got something like four or five more titles than the next person below him, which is just absolutely astounding. He's, his impact on the business is, is is just amazing. And then the love he got when he, uh, when he came back this year at the Royal Rumble, just, yeah. As a wizened old man, I even got chills that day.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just an amazing moment, and I didn't think it
1: was going to happen just because of the physical nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure I'm glad it did. Yeah absolutely that's a that's an outstanding list I don't think it's going to make much difference in terms of that like at the at places at the top but definitely people who, who deserve a mention uh great yeah. list there greg uh maybe right the down. undertaker maybe the undertaker based on what i've
0: heard but yeah
1: besides yeah. that i don't
0: Eh, Maybe not, but that's okay. Maybe it'll open up some people to to think about their list a little differently. Who knows?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the show has been going now uh, just over a year and it's about time we had a kind of like a a review of, of, of how it's gone. And these guys will definitely be getting a mention in that. So, yeah, great, great picks. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? pwx over the top shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only
0: 5.99 per month get your free trial today at
1: powerslam.tv but let's get on to this uh this main topic like i said this this one for me felt like it suited you down to the ground it is the the mount rushmore of honor paul matches so for that i kind of take it as any match where there is something above the ring or there is uh, something attached to the ring or anything where there's just some kind of foreign object or person or whoever involved uh, where you have to get that person or that object to, to win the match. So let's go with you first, Greg. What's the first pick on your Mount Rushmore of on the poll matches?
0: So I, when I told... Uh... My one of my chair hot radio, chair shot radio co host Patrick O'Dowd, about this topic. He was like, You better say this match, or I will stop listening if you don't say this match. And I also <laughs> know that if I don't say this match first, you will. And because when you think of poll matches and you think of professional wrestling, uh, every single fan immediately goes to one match, And and everyone listening right now is yelling the match at their computer, at their car, at their speaker, at whatever. So I will give you that stress relief right now and tell you that match number one on my Mount Rushmore pole matches is none other than Buff Bagwell versus Chris Canyon in the Judy Bagwell on a pole match. (laughs) This is is a farce of a match. This is Vince Russo at his finest at his worst, whatever you want to call it. She was on a forklift. This is kind of the one match on my list that didn't involve an actual pole, I guess, um, (laughs) because I stuck with the pole thing. Um, but to me, like this was just, you know, Buff did win, (laughs) he did rescue his mother. Um, it's, and it was his legit mother the whole time because she wheeled him out back when he was first with the, with the surgery and all that. And, and so Judy Bagwell kind of became a caricature of herself. She embraced it. And yeah, for me, like, like this is wrestling at its best and its worst all in one. And, and I, as soon as I saw the topic, I was like, well, there's the Judy Bagwell on a pole match because how can you not?
1: Absolutely, and it was my first pick. It was the topic that actually influenced this, this choice. Yeah, my first pick straight away. The fact that we got... Uh, former world heavyweight champion David Arquette involved in the match. The fact that Judy Bagwell is not only on a on a fourthly put, uh, but she's a former tag team champion with uh with Rick Steiner. yeah this this <laughs> match, not with her son, with <laughs> yeah. Rick Steiner. Yeah, this this match was had to be number one, and it was my number one as well. So we go straight back to you for your for your second pick.
0: Okay, so my second pick is going to be a little bit different. This also comes from from WCW. WCW was a was a just a amazing place for pole matches. Yeah. Um, this was on an episode of Monday Nitro, and Jeff Jarrett faced Booker T in uh, for the WCW Championship. And this was termed the and and I didn't I knew about this match, but I didn't realize remember what they had called it. There were four poles in this match, one in each corner. This was the San Francisco 49ers match, and there were four different boxes hanging from each of the the posts. And basically, one of them had the WCW championship, and that was the fourth box that was opened up. The other boxes included a blow-up doll. A coal miner's glove, which is a nod to history, and a picture of Scott Hall, because Scott Hall at the time, I think, was out of WCW due to drug-related issues and or talking crap. I don't remember. Um, Booker did open the fourth box to win the championship. It falls to the floor, so Dave Penzer handed it to him. It was a controversial ending because we needed that in this, but um, but I remember this one like it was yesterday because I, two things. It's like, okay, let's see what this is. But then as soon as it starts, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, why do we have four poles? One poll is enough, but why do we have four different poles and, and why do we have all of these things? And why is that, you know, a blow up doll and why a picture of Scott Hall? Like, it's just, and then I think in my head, I was like, how did they remember what order to go in? To open, to get to, you know, and, and did they put him up in the right? So much could have gone wrong in this match. Not that anyone cared because it was WWE, But <laughs> to me, this is uh, one of the first, I had to research it. Like, I remember the Judy Bagwell on a pole match. This one I had to go back in. I, I knew it was Jarrett. I didn't remember it was Booker. So I had to go back and find it out and eventually did figure it out. And uh, yeah, this and I had no idea that it was officially called the San Francisco 49ers match.
1: Yeah, that we've uh, we've spoken about that uh, that match before on Badlands and it it's a horrific match. I think if I remember rightly, uh was there an Irish whip at the beginning and then one of the boxers falls off the pole. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, it's <laughs> it was just it was literally just the tackiest match ever. But yeah, it didn't make my list uh, but yeah, what an amazing pole match that was. Let's go to my first list uh I'm, I'm actually going to stick with WCW. We might as well, uh, we well badmouth him as, as as we are doing. I'm going to go with a leather jacket on a pole match. Uh, I'm sure you remember this, but for the listeners who don't, uh, let's go on a bit of a memory lane trip. Uh, 20 years ago, I think it, it was almost 20 years today. It was uh, the 20th of February, uh, 2000. It uh, was Super Brawl. Um, and we had Tank Abbott a uh, former MMA fighter who uh, Vince Russo was incredibly high on. He faced his uh, apparently his former bodyguard, Big Al. Uh, Big Al, who was a jobber wrestler and just happened to be this character at the time. Yeah, this match was horrific. It, it was also called by the commentary team a skins match as well. Uh, basically, the jacket was uh, Tank Abbott's own UFC leather jacket. And just about as the match was about to start, Big Al ripped the belt from his jeans, uh, strapped his hand to Tank's right hand, because obviously Tank had this killer right hand, which was knocking people out left, right and centre. And then then the match started, and what a horrific match it was. They started by giving each other punches to the face, then uh, shoulder barges. Tank then got knocked out by a, by a, a forearm, and he acted like he was dead. Absolutely dead. No reaction whatsoever. Um, Big Al dragged him to the corner. Looked like he was going to pull in towards the post and do a nut shot. Then changed his mind. Said it was it was way too good for him. Started to climb for the belt. Then couldn't exactly reach up. Uh, he, he had. It was about a foot away. If he'd have just stretched his arms up, he would have easily just been able to take the jacket. Decided not to and stood on the face of Tan Cabot with both feet. Um, but Tank back then was was not the easiest person to work with, and he was uh, quite pissed off with that. So he absolutely laid him with some horrifically stiff shots, beat uh, Big Al into the corner, dragged him up against the ropes, beat him in again. Um, he lifted Big Al onto his shoulders and then tried to climb the top rope Uh and then whilst he was gripping this pole, which held the jacket with his, with his free hand, the pole was wobbling, so that meant that Tank lost his balance and he dropped Big Al straight to the floor. Tank then could have easily got the, the jacket and won the match. No, no, no. Tank dropped to the floor to just uh, deliver one big hammer fist to, uh, to Big Al's chest, then decided to go and get the jacket. Match over. Done. Over and done. But it wasn't, because Tank went into the pocket of uh, of the jacket and pulled out a folding knife. He then took this knife and threatened to kill Big Al. He said, "In and these words are verbatim from the broadcast, Bitch, I could kill you. I could fucking kill you. The camera quickly cut to a, a kind of a, a crowd shot, and Mark Madden wondered if it was actually a knife. To which Tony Siobhan said, I think it was a pair of scissors. And he was trying to cut the beard of Big Al. But Big Al didn't even have a beard. And it was not a pair of scissors. It was a full-on folding knife. So, yeah, my second pick is the leather jacket on a pole match where Big Al nearly enough got killed.
0: This was horrendous. And Eric Bischoff (laughs) talked about it recently on an episode of 83 Weeks. It's just terrible. Like, it's literally – and you're right. When you said Tank Abbott, like, Tank Abbott wasn't a wrestler. Tank Abbott never trained as a wrestler. And one thing I always found fascinating about Tank Abbott was he didn't know how to throw a punch in a wrestling match. So when he threw a punch, he was throwing a punch. And yeah. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer not to take live rounds from Tank Abbott. And and I'm sure that so, – so I'm sure, you know, when, when that happens – a wrestler who's trained is then going to retaliate. And so I, I'm sure every match with tank Abbott was a real fight at certain points. And this one being no different. Um The knife thing though, was just what really, and I guess you, I mean, why else would you have the leather jacket up there? Like, like mm-hmm. you had to have a reason tank had the knife in it, yeah. but uh, the,
1: then- the storyline for that was that uh, big Al was jealous that tank left the UFC to go to uh, WCW. Uh, he felt that he'd sold out, And they had a a, a confrontation where Tank said, I'd give you the jacket off my back. And Big Al said, I'll just take the jacket. And it kind of led to that. It was the most tenuous link of of reasons to have an on the pole match. But there we are. I'm mad at you for leaving the
0: UFC and coming to WCW. (laughs) So I'm going to wrestle you in WCW to prove my point. That's (laughs) the best. um, Yeah, the, the best, the best reasoning I could ever think of
1: yeah exactly so back to you greg what is your third pick on your mount rushmore of amazing on the pole matches
0: <laughs> these really are the best um so this one is is i remembered it i couldn't remember if it was on a poll or not so i had to do some research and thankfully it was it, it's a personal favorite of mine it's the kind that if, if 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 uh if paul were with us right now you'd probably veto if he picked it but <laughs> For me, just because everyone knew what was going on and it still worked, it's when the Calgary kid wrestled Eugene in a contract on a pole match on an edition of Monday Night Raw. Of course, uh, this match took place in Calgary. The Calgary kid did retrieve the contract at that point. Everybody knew who it was. It was none other than The Miz getting his contract back in the most obvious way possible. But to me, it was just fun. The contract on a pole match for The Miz. Um, the Miz was kind of in a weird place here from baby face to heel and, and everything in between. But, uh, it was entertaining. The midge pulled it, you know, Miz pulled it off. Um, and it was just really, uh, you know, a, a way to go to get Miz back, but it was, you know, uh, they, they, they teased the Calgary kid is debuting. He wore the hockey Jersey and the mask and everything else. And of course it was the Miz and, and it was pretty obvious pretty
1: quickly. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, that whole era of of wrestling is. I'm um, sometimes I, I feel like I feel sad that I missed a lot of that uh, that kind of 26 to 2016 era. But matches like this make me glad <laughs> I wasn't involved. Um, yeah. yeah, you didn't miss a time. Honestly, yeah. horrific pick, horrific pick. Um, so I'm going to go for a, a pretty recent one. To be fair, I'm gonna I'm actually going to go for, for one that's. That's, it's going to throw a bit of shade on, on my favourite wrestling promotion right now. That's NXT. Um, I'm going for when NXT were, was still part of that that, that developmental area. Um, I'm going for an episode of NXT Redemption from uh, July 2011, uh, where we got a trifecta of pole matches all rolled into one. It's uh, In some circles, it's called a leg on a pole match, and no, that's not a Zach Gowan match reference. Uh, in other circles, it's called a necklace on a pole match, and in in some circles, it's called a wrestling figure on a pole match. Um, I'm going for Yoshi Tatsu taking on Tyson Kidd for. Uh, well, I'll just go into the story. This it's it's the best story ever. Um, Yoshitatsu had his very own wrestling figure and he was, he was very, very proud of that. And someone, namely Tarsen Kidd, uh, sabotaged the figure by ripping the leg off it. Um, so to exact revenge, Yoshitatsu faced Tassen Kidd with uh, the removed leg attached to a necklace, which was then hung on a pole, uh, William Regal on commentary was absolutely brilliant. He tried his best to build up this match as having some gravitas, saying uh, whilst it looked silly to everyone, essentially the the plastic uh, toy's leg on a pole, it was about respect, and he felt that uh, Yoshi Tatsu felt disrespected. So after. Uh, Tyson entered the ring, we get Yoshi's entrance, which brings him out with his uh wounded little doppelganger. <laughs> bandaged up. This it just kills me. Bandaged up in tape because of, of obviously the injury. But it wasn't even the leg part that was bandaged. He bandaged it around the arm and, and the head. Um William Regal again on commentary. I'm here talking about respect and he's making a bloody fool of me. It's got a bloody bandage on its arm. Just absolutely brilliant. Uh, getting to the match, it was actually quite a good match, to be fair. Both these guys are, are pretty uh, underrated in terms of talent. Obviously, t- uh, Tyson Kidd had to cut his career short uh, due to injury. But, yeah, the match was absolutely really, really good. Uh, the end came when when uh, Yoshi was trying to reach for the for the necklace slash leg. Uh he was hit by Tyson and fell into kind of a tree of war. Um, tyson then uh, lifted up uh, Yoshi's body to deliver some brutal kicks to his back. But Yoshi kind of got a second wind and mustered the strength to lift himself up out of this tree of war, uh, sat on the turnbuckle. That's when Tarson, like kind of joined him up there at the top and lifted him up to uh, do a kind of avalanche uh, belly-to-back suplex. But just in that kind of struggle, Yoshi grabbed the necklace and the limb and and won the match, which is uh, great for Yoshitatsu. Uh, going back to Regal again with the commentary, said, these two fan competitors have just beaten each other senseless over a plastic leg. But this again, like, like the last one, this wasn't kind of the end of the match. Yoshitatsu was celebrating with his figure uh, and obviously the appendage that uh, we was holding it together like a, as if it magically reattached. It didn't. tyson attacked him, threw the toy parts out the ring, and actually attacked a real leg of, of the real Yoshi Tatsu. But the best part was uh, when they capped it off with a replay of what happened on the previous Raw, uh, which is where Rey Mysterio beat the Miz to become a WWE champion, only to lose it to John Cena. And then John Cena was obviously interrupted by Punk, who who had his own version of the WWE title belt. So yeah, my pick is uh, Yoshi Tatsu taking on Tyson Kidd in a wrestling figure slash lead slash necklace match.
0: Yeah, this was always a leg on a pole match for me. Um, <laughs> I never even realized there were other circles that called it something else. But it, it's just crazy what you can do in wrestling sometimes. And and the fact that this took, like, I love NXT, but NXT's had a pole match. NXT's had a shark cage match. NXT's had their fair share of dumb things. And, I mean, NXT's first war games was really kind of dumb the way they had everybody enter. Um, it, it's just crazy to look at. Yeah, the the pole match that that you know even NXT couldn't couldn't escape having a having a pole match, but at least it was good in terms of in ring action. Mm-hmm. I love when you're like describing it, and you talk about how he goes a belly to belly suplex and he grabs a limb off the pole, and it's we just accept that as if it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and we don't. It's like it, that's what wrestling does to you. It's like isn't this strange? Well, yeah. Like somebody if somebody listens to this that isn't a wrestling fan, they're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about right now? And we're talking about a toy leg hanging from a pole that two guys are fighting over because you can't just go to Toys R Us and buy another one.
1: But, absolutely. And and yeah. if you don't um, kind of just like get rid of your disbelief in stuff like this, uh, you you would never be a wrestling fan. There is way more weirder stuff than than a leg on a pole match, let me tell you.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. <laughs> Service. So, Greg, let's go back to you for your for your final pick on the Mount Rushmore of greatest on the pole matches.
0: So I've still got four on my list, and, and picking, it's like, do I want to go legit, do I want to go fun, but I'm going to kind of go, I guess fun's a relative term, um, mm. but I'm going to get, kind of go in the middle, and that was a match that took place on Raw between The Rock and Mankind. It was a pink slip on a pole match. Um, this is actually the case where the loser ended up with what was on the pole. And that was mankind losing to the rock. And, and, and this was, they were not feuding at the time. They were forced to wrestle each other in this match by triple H and, and Stephanie McMahon. The rock wins the match. Mankind is, is given the pink slip. One of the many times they tried to get rid of him from a storyline sense. Didn't work. The rock ended up having a, to help mankind get back into company. Um, and build that. Of course, we eventually get the rock and sock connection and everything that goes along with it. But this was a pole match on, on raw that took place. The rock was victorious. Another, I mean, the rock and mankind together is just gold. Mm-hmm. Even if you try to screw it up by making it a pole match does not matter. They're still going to deliver in a big way. And that's exactly what they did here. And so, yeah, number four on my Mount Rushmore of pole matches is the rock versus mankind in a pink slip on a pole match.
1: Yeah, I had that one as as one of my kind of honourable mentions. Yeah, like I said, The Rock and Mankind were gold at that time. And and I love the way that there, there was no real uh, consequences for it because The Rock just ended up uh, getting Mick, Mick Foley's contract back anyway. So, yeah, great, great pick. Uh, let's finish off with my Mount Rushmore. and I'm going to go with... One that is beyond ridiculous, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, one that happened on October the 17th, 2008, where SmackDown was in the city that never sleeps, Las Vegas. And on that show, we saw a fresh-faced, pre-Dick Flip Joey Ryan get squashed by the Big Show. And then the Big Show carried on squashing people. He squashed a wrestler called Ryan Taylor, uh, who ended up being a notable uh, PWG talent. Uh, and then Big Show finished off his trio of squashers by absolutely demolishing uh, a very, very young book, Matt Jackson, uh, with massive chops and then uh, through a table. But these are obviously not on the pole matches. That came later in the show, almost, almost in the headline spot. It was... Uh, a Divas poll match, to be fair. They were battling out to be the number one contender for that Divas title, which I think was being held by Michelle McCool. Uh, we had the entrance of Maria, Maurice, Natalia, Victoria and Brie Bella. And there on the poll match was an oversized pink set of fluffy darts. <laughs> the match was a typically poor... Uh, 2008 style divas match. Plenty of scrambles for the pole. Plenty of botch moves. But the end comes when Maria and Maurice uh, are fighting to reach the top of the pole. Uh, Maurice uh, uh, loses the upper hand. Uh, Maria climbs the turnbuckle, retrieves the the amazing uh, <laughs> fluffy pink dance. Uh Maria then got her title shot on the 11th of November that year, in uh, when SmackDown came from the MEN Arena. Uh, very very close to me in Manchester uh, she faced Michelle McCool um, and was beaten in ninety seven seconds, so again, another on a pole match where the the consequences meant absolutely nothing um so yet, yeah, my fourth pick and rounding off these horrific horrific matches is uh, the divas das on a pole match from uh, October two thousand and eight.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, it's, it's when you went divas, I knew it was either that one or the mistletoe on a pole match. That was, that on. Was, my,
1: that was another one that's on my, that was list. on
0: my list that I hope I didn't have to use. Um, <laughs> Kind of like how Brie Bello won the mistletoe and then never used it. Um, it's, it's yeah, the, the the success rate of a pole match is so low. Thank goodness that first Money in the Bank ladder match wasn't a Money in the Bank pole match because we would never have Money in the Bank as part of wrestling lore the way that we do now. Um, that match was just atrocious. I mean, so many of these matches were atrocious. I, I think well, the, the, the two best matches were over a pink slip and a toy leg that we've— um, that we've listed so far and and they included world cast perform, world class performers but yeah this is this is absolutely painful and 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 i hope people will go back and watch some of these and see i still had three of i guess they're honorable mentions now i don't know how many more you had left on your list but it's uh,
1: i had three well i had two that we've already mentioned and i have i've got another one so let us know your honorable mentions i had honorable. The-
0: The ones that we didn't mention, I had the Mistletoe on a pole match that we just talked about. I had the Viagra on a pole match between Shane Douglas and Billy Kidman, and then I had the legit one um, from Halloween Havoc 92, uh, the Coal Miner's Glove on a pole match between Jake Roberts and Sting.
1: Yeah, great picks. Uh, I I, I researched the Viagra on a pole match, but I I suspected that Either you or if Paul would have been here, it would have come up. So I kind of let that one slide. The only the only other one I've had that we haven't mentioned was the the feast or fired uh, TNA kind of concept where where the before uh, like picks on a pole, kind of like the San Francisco forty nine one, but done a little bit better, I suppose. Yeah. So- I-
0: it's I don't know why those didn't even come up to be honest with you. I don't know if we just try to block that things from our memory, but yeah, it was uh it was definitely memorable.
1: memorable to say the least, yeah absolutely well, those are some well they they some mount rushmores i can I think that's the only thing we can actually say about them um well, I'd like from you now Greg, normally what we would do here is we would Paul and I would give you a, a choice for a topic and you pick the, the one that you found most interesting but seeing as our Paul is unavailable today, um, how about you come up with a topic of your own, what, what kind of Matt Rushmore would you like to hear about? <laughs>
0: Now, these may have come up on some of your early, early shows that, that um, before you guys came over and I haven't been able to listen to all of them. So if so, I apologize. I've got a few different options, though. Um, so if you have already done these, please let me know. The first one that came to mind that I would want to hear, and I can go back and listen to it if it's already been done, would be Authority Figures.
1: Yeah, uh, we have done that. Okay. What about referees? Um, I don't think that we've done referees, but that's a very, very interesting one. Yeah,
0: yeah. So let's 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 do that. Top four or Mount Rushmore, I should say, of
1: pro wrestling referees. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, thanks for this, Gregor. I, I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, not only for you coming on the show, but for for all the support for for Badlands, especially when we were going through uh, the rough patch at, uh, after the the close of Brainbuster. You really, you were there for us, and yeah, we we haven't looked back. We've been absolutely gone from strength to strength on on the chair shot and we, we love being a part of that team over there. Just amazing stuff. Uh, let let the Badlands and the Chair shot listeners know obviously where where they can get out of you, uh, what what you've got going on in, in the wrestling content world. Of course. No, definitely
0: uh, on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me at ChairShotGreg. Um, I, I tend to go into social media hiding from time to time, which I started back in November of last year. Um, came back out recently for a wrestling show that we were putting on last weekend um, February 22nd based on whenever people are listening to this, but uh, that's the best way to find me. You can also find our content at the shut.com also over at our newest partner, e wrestling news.com. Um, I'm the director of media content over there working, still building a lot of things. Uh, you'll see the podcast start to get featured over there as we build the, the radio network side of the, we, it's it's literally logistics of building that portion of the website that we're working on right now and also getting more access to events and 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 coverage as media and all those things going on people can also email me i'm very open with the email address greg demarco at the feel free to send that off as well um we're going to be releasing some new merchandise at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. They always have a lot of sales there at ProWrestlingTees.com too. There's one right now, but it probably won't be live when you listen to this, so there'll be another one. and But but really, just a lot of things. The Chair Shot, despite the move over with, with e wrestling News, that brand's not going anywhere. We've got so much time and effort and energy invested in the brand, and you guys coming over was just fantastic. It offers things that we didn't have before. The show is so enjoyable. Um, I always listen to everybody before I bring them over, and and it's just a matter of uh, you know bringing this to our listeners and 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 making sure that they they have a varied amount of content. You guys definitely fulfill that. It's a lot of fun and just something that you know we we support and continue and, and are so glad. You know their loss was our gain, and and that's just the uh, the, the long and short of it. So, but at Chairshot, Greg Greg Demarco at the and you you and yeah, keep following along. So we're gonna keep bringing you the good stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely, um, and again, we absolutely appreciate the the love and support. It's a it's an honour to be part of of, of the Chairshot Radio. Um, but listeners, who had the the I'm saying best in very very uh, inverted commas here, but who had the the least worst uh, Mount Rushmore of of uh, on a pole matches? Was it Greg's Judy baglift on a forklift match? The contract on a pole match between uh, the Calgary Kid and Eugene. The pink slip on a pole match against The Rock and Mankind. The San Francisco 49ers match against uh, Booker T and Jeff Jarrett. Or was it my horrific list of the Divas Dice on a pole match? The wrestling uh, figure leg necklace match? uh, The Judy Bagwell on a a pole match? Or the leather jacket on a pole match? uh, just tell us uh in the in the comments which uh which of those is the be- uh the best um thank you for listening uh we really do appreciate all your support thank you for for greg to, for coming on the show it's uh an absolute honor um but when you are picking your matt rushmore's around here we only have one rule on this show and that is to always use your head